Welcome to the Speak As Well As You Think podcast brought to you by Vautier Communications. I'm your host, Jen Alex. The goal of this show is to uncover communication strategies and behaviors you can use to improve the way you show up and perform at work. We'll talk about what effective communication looks like in action so you can apply it to your own career. If you'd like a written summary of each episode, subscribe to our weekly email newsletter by visiting vautiercommunications.com. That's V-A-U-T-I-E-R communications.com. Check out the show notes for a link. Welcome back, everyone. Today, John Vautier, Vice President of Vautier Communications, and Matt Nasser, our newest account executive with Vautier Communications, are joining me to talk about the use of PowerPoint and slide decks. We want to discuss the good, the bad, and why we feel like slide decks or PowerPoint in general gets a bad reputation. Welcome back, both of you. Thanks, Jen. Thanks, Jen. I want to start by sharing a quote from The Naked Presenter, which is Gar Reynolds' book, and I think it really resonates to both sides of how PowerPoint and slide decks can be a great tool and how they can also be a detriment when you are presenting. In the book, he says that technologies such as PowerPoint and Keynote are only useful to the degree that they amplify our message, make things clearer and more memorable, and strengthen the human-to-human connection that is the basis of communication. Used well, multimedia has the power to do this, but too often presentations given with the help of multimedia suffer because the presenter puts too much energy and emphasis on the technology or visuals and not enough on making a meaningful connection with the audience. And I think that's such a great way to intro because there are people that feel very strongly on both sides of that camp. They are absolutely pro PowerPoint slide decks and some people who we've all heard the death by PowerPoint, never use it. It's not good in any situation, which we all know is not true. So let's go into a little bit more detail and let's start simple. What are the pros of using PowerPoint or slide decks? I'll take this one, Jen, to start. I think easiest way to to open with this, visuals and graphics are more memorable. So we think about it from a static information or just raw data, raw statistics, it's less memorable on a memorability spectrum, if you will. But if we can see things and we can make it visual, we can use graphics to complement the message, that's what's going to end up sticking with people or allowing that recall or retention to actually exist. Yeah, those are great points. And I actually listened to a TED Talk not too long ago about presentation building and how to use it effectively. And the speaker used a great analogy while he's talking about our working memory and how short it is. And so we need these other things to help us. And the example he gives, he says, how many times do you look at the seat number on your plane ticket or on your phone app before you sit down in your seat? And for most of us, we can probably smile and laugh to ourselves saying, I look at it five times before you got to make sure you're in the right seat. But he says on average, people will look at it six times before they sit down in that seat because our working memory is so short and we can't remember. And so as he applies this back to PowerPoints or slide decks, visual presentations, he says that when you can put these together well, this is going to help your audience understand and remember the information 
And the easiest way to do that is to have that visual representation of the message that you're sharing. Yeah, I love that. You know, it's just in case that seat changes the very last second between when you scan your boarding pass and you finally get on the flight 13 steps later. Yeah. But exactly. I love the analogy. It makes perfect sense. I think another pro is it's shareable. It's interactive in today's world, especially as more of us are doing things remote or through WebEx teams and Zoom. If we don't have a visual to talk behind or talk through with an audience, there can be a disconnect. Mm-hmm. And that audience is trying to either script out word for word, right? Take notes on exactly what's being said. Let me transcribe every single word from this conversation instead of maybe focusing on big picture, no pun intended, but the key takeaways that you are able to to decipher much better when you can share it visually. Obviously, this all goes back to like R. Reynolds said, you have to be able to effectively use visuals, graphics, PowerPoint slides, slide decks, call any of the software, multimedia, whatever you want. Mm -hmm. I think the other big one is creativity. And it allows any speaker to decide, where do I want to go with the direction of this message? Mm-hmm. We always coach. You have to know who your audience is. And then from there, figure out your purpose in speaking to them. Once those two bases are covered, then we can, can begin to piece together. Now I know my audience. I know my message. What visuals or what direction or what flow, if you will, what map do I want to use to get them to this destination? Mm-hmm. But rarely is that going to get accomplished with just talking points that you have no visuals behind. Because again, the beauty of PowerPoint, slide decks, visuals, graphics, it's complementary to what's being shared from us in regards to a message. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a a great point on the creativity level. At a certain point, if your message is five, seven minutes long, no problem sharing it face-to-face, just having a conversation about that content. When you're talking about a 15, a 30, a 45 minute presentation or meeting at a certain point, we lose interest if there's nothing else to look at and follow along with. And as you mentioned, compliments what we're hearing that person talk through. And so it goes back to that working memory analogy where it just helps us on a different level, understand and comprehend. Correct. And I want to be very clear. My point in all of this is not to say that every single talk, discussion, meeting requires the use of PowerPoint or visual aids. It's more to showcase PowerPoint shouldn't be looked at as a disaster or as the enemy. When it's used well, it's incredibly effective. And I think the people who use it well and, and realize those benefits are the ones that understand its its intent and the way that that tool gets used. Yep. Okay, great points on the pros of PowerPoint. Matt, let's hand it over to you. What do you see as the cons of using PowerPoint or slide decks? Yeah, and I'd love to start off just by saying instead of cons, I think where we start to see it become a little bit more inefficient in our talks or in, in our chatter. I think to start off, John did a really good job of mentioning that word compliment. Mm-hmm. One of those important things to remember is that when we go in and we're speaking, think of all of the good TED Talks or keynote speakers that you've heard of. You're never calling back and saying, remember what happened on the fourth slide of that talk that they just went through, because that's not necessarily how our mind works. Right. We're tuning in so that we can see this speaker talk about a product or a certain topic that's important to them. And that's what's encapsulating us. Whereas again, that visual aid is again, just a compliment. It's something there to connect the dots or bring that picture together. 
but we often see a lot of people that take these visuals and they make them built out a little bit too much, whether it's the words or the graphics or the color and the themes used. It's mm -hmm. just a little bit too much visually for the audience, and it becomes focused on more than that person doing the speaking, which is more of what we're looking for in one of those talks. Yeah. As well, I feel like with that, in terms of building it out too much with those words, it may start to become scripted. Uh, that's the last thing that we want. We want to come across as our full and authentic selves in some of these talks. And if you're reading straight through, whether it be a notes page or exactly off of that slide deck, word for word, all you're doing is it's like you're standing up there reading an audiobook to your audience. They can follow along with it the same way that you are, but what you're saying, if it's the same as what's on the slide decks, isn't giving them any new information. And again, you're the person they're there to see. So making your story a little bit more robust than just what's complementing it is also extremely important. Yeah. You okay. want to bring the story to life. So whatever you're talking about, you're that avenue that creates that pulse point in it rather than just reading it out loud. At that point, your audience is going to say, time out, just send it to me as a pre-read. I'll read it out loud to myself. I'll let you know if I have any questions and it's a much better use of everybody's time. Exactly. And I think there's a lot of settings where we we do see that where it's, I just sat through a 15 or a 20 minute long meeting and it's a bunch of things that I already saw in the pre-read and didn't even need to kind of waste the additional 10 to 15 minutes of them reading it through to me. I think that's part of when it's going through and being designed, the person who's designing it, not necessarily thinking about the audience first. Uh, we want to remember that when we're speaking, we want to keep it not only at the pace or knowledge level that our audience is at, but also keeping it where you're keeping the audience interested and you're not putting too much there to either bog them down or overfill them with information that may not be 100% relatable to them if they're not directly in your field. Yep. Great points. And I like how you mentioned not necessarily calling it a con. It's just knowing how to use it the correct way. And I think that's an important distinction to make as well. John, let's go back to you. Can you provide some insight on how to create engaging PowerPoint slides? Absolutely. I love this section. So as we think about visuals, we like to tell people, try to keep the content lean. And when I say lean, Focus on keywords, key phrases. That's that's the, the biggest intent there is try not to script out. Matt did a great job just a moment ago sharing. When we script things out as speakers, we feel then compelled to say it exactly how we wrote it. We realize that's not how we how we have conversations. We know we don't live our lives talking off of a script. Mm -hmm. Maybe in the Truman Show, it's not the real world. So as we think about when we create engaging content, we want that content to be lean. We don't want so much packed on the slide deck that it starts to either take away from our being in, in the front of the room or in the, the focal point, if you will, or an audience sees something and they think, oh my goodness, this is too overwhelming. I'm tuning out. I think another big thing is you shouldn't have all bullet points. Mm -hmm. With that said, you don't need every slide to have bullet points. So using bullet points where they make sense, great. Not every slide should be a picture. Going back to what I said a moment ago, some slides will have graphics and visuals, other slides may not, and that's fine. You want a nice balance of graphics, visuals, words, content, builds and animations are another big thing. I like builds when you want to control your audience's attention. 
And I tell people, if you show the audience everything at once, you can't tell them then, I only want you to focus on the top left mm-hmm. corner of this screen because they're going to look right. at all of it. Yep. Be like giving a child a piece of candy and saying, don't touch this. It's not going to happen. So if you don't want your audience seeing everything at once, then you should manage how they see content. And you use the builds on purpose. You control what they see when they see it. This way, no one is stuck reading ahead of you or you don't think, geez, I wish Matt and Jen wouldn't have read that final bullet point. If I didn't want Matt and Jen reading that final bullet point, I shouldn't have shown it to them in the first place. Yeah. But I do believe if you can, can manage all of those, and I say this in our programs all the time, control your controllables. You've got control over content. You've got control over what type of content you put into your slides, visuals, and graphics. You want them to be your visual cues or speaking notes, if you will, and your audience will track along with that. But if you can include videos, that's a bonus. I think mm-hmm. multimedia is great in addition to parts of those talks. Today, we see more and more, especially in the remote world, polls, discussion opportunities, any other interactivity that you can allow to get managed throughout your talk is what keeps audiences engaged. But if there's nothing going on visually, you're not checking in or doing what I call pulse checks with your audience, especially when you're behind a screen and some people have cameras active, some don't, you are likely to lose your audience or you, you probably realize already they're multitasking. They're doing yeah. what many of us do on the other ends of our screens. If we don't feel engaged in one area, we're efficient beings by nature. We're going to go and find other ways that we can make sure we are engaged or being efficient with all the other hours left in our day. Right. Matt, any other points you want to make on that piece for creating engaging PowerPoint slides that John didn't touch on? Yeah, I think just to add slight visuals, making sure that your colors work out so that the words in the background aren't blending into each other uh, as well to go along with that, the size, making sure that if you have people that are sitting four five or six rows back in the room, making sure that every piece of content on that slide is written large enough for the person all the way in the back to see it. You can't be engaging if you're not allowing everybody to read and interact with those materials. So simply just taking into consideration who's sitting where and exactly what the setup and design of your talk is going to be often creates that extra level of engagement above somebody who may not have taken that into consideration. You're right. Yeah. And it's it's just a, a piece on doing your homework. The reason that you are speaking to any group is to give them information that they didn't know before or they've asked you to speak on something so they know it's important. You know it's important to that audience. And so I want to put the time in to make sure that the experience they have is ideally the the best one they can walk away with. And they'll say, that was a good use of my time, or that was really valuable. And in the future, want to come back to my presentations or meetings instead of saying, well, last time I went, I couldn't read anything that was on the slide because the colors were off. It was size 12 font. There was way too much included. Any other variables that might come in. John, you sent the team an article maybe a week ago on PowerPoint that was pretty interesting. Can you highlight a few of those key takeaways from the article you mentioned? Yeah. So I found this on LinkedIn. It's from August 20th, 2019. And Alper Rosanes, and apologies if I mispronounced the name, mm-hmm. wrote a great article. And it's called PowerPoint is Not the Enemy. And he says in this article, human beings are predominantly visual creatures. He goes on to say, such research indicates that the retention rate of information can be amplified by a whopping 6.5 times when accompanied by relevant visuals. I love the article. I obviously connected with me in coaching what we coach and working with the folks that we work with. 
But I think a couple of key points on this, and we've all probably been there before, where we have made mistakes in terms of creating visuals that are either too busy or we haven't given enough thought behind how are we going to deliver this visual. Mm -hmm. And so the, the point's been made already. You don't want to spend all of your time and attention and energy building that slide deck and then the last five minutes deciding, okay, how exactly do I want to take my audience through this? To me, that needs to be far more balanced. And I would argue you should spend more time knowing and understanding how you're going to deliver the content yeah. than building the content. Now, that doesn't mean you can just open up PowerPoint and slap together something in two seconds. But I think a few good points he makes in here, encouraging the use of empty space or what we call white space. Mm -hmm. And it's to Matt's point a moment ago, making sure your content is big enough. Your content might be great for the people in that first, second row. But if people, especially as we do things more face-to-face -face now that we're getting back in front of people, those audience members in the back of the room can't read something, they're going to disengage. Yeah. And, and part of what we like to tell our, our groups is make sure you go through your deck and you edit and you edit and you edit and you edit and you take out anything in that deck that you feel like is not adding value for your audience. Yep. But I think too often people get bogged down with thinking, oh, this is nice to know. This is nice to know. This is nice to know. That's where you want to reframe things and say, what is need to know content? That's what I'm including within my visuals, graphics, slide deck. Anything that's nice to know, I can throw back in the appendix. I can tell the audience, you are welcome to reference this material at your own time. But we're not going to go through it today because I don't feel like it's time well spent. Yeah. And I really just think that's setting expectation on you, making sure you are making the best use of your audience's time by focusing on content that means something to them. Every audience that you interact with is going to be wondering two things. What are you talking about and why is it important to me? Yep. And if you don't make that very crystal clear to your audience, you run the risk of losing them early on. And that's not something you want to do. And he, he talks a lot in this article about that, that philosophy of editing and fine-tuning content and making sure that you've gone through and everything that's within what you're going to be sharing and talking about or talking behind is in some way adding value for your audience. Because if it's just there to fill time or fill space, you run the risk of rambling or doing just that. You're talking for the sake of talking and all you're doing is filling time and space. Yep. And most people would rather go to a meeting and have it end early and have it be valuable, then go the full time and say, we really didn't need the last 10 minutes. So it's yeah. not about taking up the entire space. I've yet to meet a business person that said, you know, I was really bummed about getting 10 minutes back in my day. We're, yeah, I wish, that I wish that meeting would have gone longer. Yeah. It's, you know, that language is rarely, if ever, used. Right. We're such a back to back meeting and interactive culture that. And when it comes to our business, that having that downtime or a couple minutes back is lovely for most people. And so making sure being your own merciless editor and saying, this is the, the bare bones and the level of detail this audience needs is really important for having them front and center so that their experience is the best one. Matt, can you touch on a couple of delivery dynamics that speakers can begin applying or considering as they finish listening to this podcast here and start to go back to building out their own decks? Yeah, I think the first thing is just to remember you're talking to your audience, not your slide deck. Allow that slide deck to be a compliment. And when you're going through and you're planning out not only the information that you're going to put into it, but generally what topics and kind of cadence you're going to take in your talk analyze that and put in 
what I would call the bare minimum that your audience will need into the slide deck. Allow them to get the information from you and not necessarily what they're looking at, because Mm -hmm. again, you're the importance here and you should be the one conveying the majority of that subject matter to your audience. Another important delivery dynamic that I found is one, building the slide deck yourself. That helps to not get caught up in the slides and what's coming next as you're the person that built it. You're the strongest with the subject matter and you know exactly what you put in what section to speak to when, which is extremely important. And the other part of this comes in just your general practicing. When you walk through and you practice something that you have visuals backing up, make sure you're practicing that and speaking it out loud, how you'll be giving it on the day that you're talking to it. That's going to help you to not feel like the last time you looked at it, all you were doing was reading the slides yourself. It's going to have you memorize more of the overall subject matter than just that next bullet point that's coming up on the slide. And it's going to help you to go a little bit more in depth and work around with your slides a little bit more than just pointing to them and making your audience's attention drive to maybe one piece. Yeah, it's going to come across as a conversation. And that's the important piece with any presentation or meeting. You want your audience to feel like they're a part of it not that they need to sit down, they stop talking, I'll start talking, and when I'm finished, I'll let you guys know, and you can ask questions at that point. Some some presentations and meetings, you want more discussion throughout, some you don't want as much, you wanna get your ideas out first, but you want the audience to feel like they are listening to a conversation, they're not listening to a memorized script. And so as you mentioned, when you can build your own presentations, you're learning that content and that flow and how one item connects to the, the next one as you're building it. And as you thought through that message and you're starting to string it together, you get to create visuals that complement those connections, which really helps the overall experience for you as the speaker. And it's only going to make the experience better for the audience as well. Exactly. We just want our audience to feel like we're talking with them and not necessarily talking at them or just showing them things on a screen. Yeah, great point. And John, over to you. Any suggestions there on what you can do as we move forward? Yeah, I mean, great points from the two of you. I like to say familiarity is your friend. And so for those individuals who say who might be listening, John, I don't have the, the luxury of building my own content. It's built for me because of legal marketing has to deal with it. Whatever those reasons could be certainly understood. If that's the case, familiarity is your friend. Try and get that content, that deck, those visuals ahead of time. Look through them a handful of times. As Matt and Jen both mentioned, don't memorize, but you should be very familiar with the transitions, with the point of the underlying message, with what the certain visuals and graphics are supposed to help explain or make more sense of for the audience. Again, if they're built correctly, they're in complement to whatever's being shared. Mm -hmm. But the more familiar you are with talk track, talking points, the overall message, the more conversational that's going to come across. I also tell everybody I work with, have fun. Have fun with the delivery, have fun with the engagement. The beauty of what we do within the world and in the business world, especially with PowerPoint is we're sharing information. Sometimes that information is for knowledge purposes. Other times it's for the purposes of recommending, proposing, persuading, influencing, End of the day, if you're not having fun with the audience, with your content, hard to imagine your audience is going to be feeling like it's fun as well. Yeah. So don't let the the fact that PowerPoint is part of your interaction 
lessen your ability to connect with your listeners, lessen your ability to make sure that this is in fact enjoyable and you're not feeling as though you're another robot delivering another PowerPoint slide deck for the thousandth time in your day or in your week. Yep. If you had to summarize the use of slide decks and how to do them effectively, what would that be? And John, we'll start with you and then Matt will finish with you on this as a key takeaway. Key takeaway, you are the show, not your slides. Yeah. I'll leave it as simple as that. Good. Matt, how about you? Really putting you on the spot here. Yeah, of course. My favorite just is less is more, whether it's words, it's pictures, it's transitions. If you think you need one more, leave it out because it's probably fine. (laughs) I love that too. Yeah. There was a great quote in another book I read. It had more to do with answering questions, but the author shared something very similarly. The best time to finish your answer is when you want to go into more detail, because that's the point where you're going to risk going into more that doesn't necessarily mean better. And I think that's a great point as well. Okay. I think we've had a great talk on PowerPoint and for all of our listeners out there, the death by PowerPoint, it's around. People love to use it. It's a catchy little saying, don't get caught thinking that PowerPoint as a tool creates poor presentations. It's how people who are creating PowerPoints use them and put them together that can create that death by PowerPoint. So take your time to understand your content, take time to think about visually what complements what I'm sharing and how can I do that well for the audience? And then do those back of the room checks. Make sure that your your colors, your theme, it's consistent and it has that flow and continuity, but you're varying the content and the information with some slides that have text, some slides that might have more graphics, more white space, could be a video, interactive things, and then make sure everybody can see it. Put that presentation up in slideshow mode, stand on the other side of the room. If you can't read it, chances are it might not be large enough. So there's different things that you can do. There's tons of resources out there as well. Lots of business books that can help support some other understandings, TED Talks, all sorts of things like that. So use those resources to your advantage. Thanks so much, both of you for joining us today and we'll see you again soon. Thanks for listening to the Speak As Well As You Think podcast brought to you by Vautier Communications. Again, I am your host, Jen Alex. Vautier Communications is in the business of business communication skills. We coach and train both individuals and groups on how to elevate their presence and increase their impact through the way they communicate, present, and write. If you want to learn more about our in-person or virtual training options, visit our website at www.vautiercommunications.com. Thanks for listening.